Music Ray Gun. I'm Paul Ciampanelli. I am Kirk Pinchon. This is the show where we pick a music-related topic, then we watch YouTube clips about that topic. And if you go to musicraygun.com, you'll find a video playlist for this and every episode, so you can see what the hell we're talking about, right, Kirk? Uh-huh. Kirk, what are we talking about on this episode? Paul, today we're going to talk about the music from Detroit, Michigan. Motor City. Yeah. We've done a few episodes in the past on regions and cities and yep. states. Uh, we did our hometowns. Yeah. Uh, I'm from Rhode Island, and we did Northeast Ohio yeah. for you. Uh, we've done Minneapolis. Yeah. Is that it for cities? That Los Angeles. Oh, that's right. We did LA because yeah. that's where we live now. Yeah. Um, Detroit, we don't have a personal connection to I, it. I have none. But it's a huge music city mm-hmm. across genres. Yes, very much so. One of the most, other than maybe New York. And like Nashville, if you're talking about country. Yeah. Detroit has produced so much great pop music. I think we need to address before we start who we're not going to be talking about. Because as we say on Music Reagan, we don't do greatest hits. Yep. And we're probably not going to talk about anyone who people think of first when they think of Detroit. Yes. we. I know. I'm sure you didn't. And I did. We have no Motown. We have one Motown that you picked, but it's not like a, one of the big, it's not the first Motown group you picked. Oh, okay. Um, we're not doing Aretha Franklin. No. No Stooges. No. For me. No Iggy Pop. Uh, I, I tried and I was like, I can't find just one clip of the Stooges that satisfied me. I'm gonna have, we're going to have to do a Stooges episode <laughs> eventually. No Alice Cooper. Oh, that's right. He's from Detroit. Yeah. That's right. Um, who, else, who, who else is big from Detroit that we're not doing? Uh, well, you don't know who I'm not doing, but yes, but those are, those are some of the those, those are some of the yeah. yeah no, really, no, no Eminem, no Eminem, yeah, uh, yeah, exactly, yeah. Uh, no, no real focus on Motown, none of the biggies, yeah. Although, like, people will have heard of who we picked. I think for the majority of them, yeah, yeah, we're avoiding like the obvious, yes, because there's just too many. Mm-hmm. Like, you could, we could, and should do an episode just on Motown. Yeah. Just on Aretha Franklin. Yeah. Um, it just doesn't seem appropriate to do one clip of each of them in the context of talking about Detroit. Yeah. It's a, it makes it a little less. So if people get upset that we're doing a Detroit episode and some of these big, big, big defining stars aren't included, that's by design. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. But let's get started. Sure. Uh, with one of my clips, how familiar are you with the Amboy Dukes? Literally this moment right now. You've never heard of the Amboy Dukes? No. Okay, that's great. Because they're mostly famous for who their lead guitarist is. Uh, which, which, so, you, what decade are they from? 60s. Okay. Into the 70s. Okay. But the clip we're watching is from the 60s and is wicked 60s. <laughs> so I'm glad you don't know because we're going to start watching it and I want to see if you recognize All right. the lead guitarist. So this is, uh, they really only had one big hit that they're famous for, so we're going to watch a black and white TV performance of the Amboy Dukes doing Journey to the Center of the Mind. I think I know that. Real psychedelic name. Oh yeah, this is really not my style. No, I know it's not. You're going to hate this. (laughs) I don't love it either, but it's a pretty cool artifact for how... Alright, so let's see if I can guess the guitar. Yeah, there he is. You recognize that guy? Uh, it's a little hard to see right now. Right. 
This is so sexy. Oh, yeah, it really is. I, did you recognize him? No, you keep going. Maybe if I told you his nickname. Sure. Better known as the Motor City Madman. Oh, is that Ted Nugent? It's the Nuge. Oh my God, Ted Nugent. Oh yeah, yeah. The the, uh, the Amboy Dukes were really like his band. They were around for ten years, and there were so many lineup changes. He was the only guy who was always in the band. Oh, okay. Huh. And when they quote unquote broke up in 1975, it was really just him saying, like. He still played with the band he had at the time. He was just like, I'm solo now. It's just Ted Nugent. Oh, okay. Which it always kind of was anyway. Yeah. Wow. But he, this, this psychedelic rock is way different than the stuff because he's known for. Oh, yeah. Like the Cascatch Fever. That's what I want. Yeah, this Stranglehold. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. Stranglehold is great. Yeah. I'll say this about. Well, what do you want to say about Ted I don't want to say anything about Ted No, I mean, he's a reprehensible person. Yeah. Uh, he says terrible things, and uh, we don't agree with his politics. No. But no matter what you think about Ted Nugent, he's a fucking good guitar player. That, I guess, is true. Yeah. yeah that he's, he's a, he knows his shit. The dude can shred. Yeah. And uh, it's sort of wasted on terrible songs, like Cat Scratch Fever yeah. and Wang Dang Sweet Poontang. Oh, God, that, yeah. Because uh, that's who he is. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. Stranglehold rules, man. When Stranglehold comes on, that long intro, I get hyped for it. I get hyped for that one. <laughs> yeah, that's a good it. song. And he is a great guitar player. I actually saw him live. In Rhode Island? Yeah. In 2000, when I was a freshman in college, I had some friends who had an extra tickets for to go see Kiss. Oh, and I hate Kiss. Kiss 2002. But, but in 2000, they had just reunited with the original members. Oh, they so did? Okay. Pretty big deal. Yeah. And I was like, I don't like Kiss, but I feel like they're a band that, like, if you see them live, you might like the show. It might be fun. And it was like that for like 20 minutes when it was like, oh, now I get it. Yeah, they spit blood and breathe fire. And yeah. now I have to keep listening to this song. And, yeah. Oh, my God. Peter Chris is going to sing Beth pretty soon. That would be terrible. <laughs> Oh my god, I gotta but, uh, check out on that. But the the Nuge opened for him, so I got to see oh, him. I got to see him shoot his bow and arrow into his guitar. And shit. <laughs> it was cool. It was cool. Yeah, this is real, real sick. Like, if you didn't tell me that that was Ted Nugent, I've been like, oh, this is just some rando '60s band. That yeah, but this song was a big hit. Oh, it was. Yeah, and it, it's what launched Ted Nugent. And when I, I'll admit, when I was a teenager, I liked Ted Nugent because. I saw his behind the music, and I. When you're a teenager, I think you have a lot more patience for that. Like, yeah. fuck the man, I'll say whatever I want. Yeah, he's, he's not afraid. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 Um, but I still admit, like, he's he's a great musician. I mean, yeah, he has his chops. He, yeah, he can shred, man. I wonder any any info on why it's Amboy Duke. I don't know. Uh, not the best name, but yeah. The one thing I remember from that behind the music when he was talking about the Amboy Dukes is he's always been like basically straight edge. Mm-hmm. He's never done drugs. Yeah. And doesn't drink. I remember hearing that. And he was like, yeah, when people hear that, even when with the Amboy Dukes, he was like, he was like, I didn't know that that song was about drugs. <laughs> he was like, I co-wrote it and I didn't realize that lyrically. Ah. He was like, he's like, I just thought like, yeah, journey to the center of the mind. A person should reflect. <laughs> A person should think about this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like, no one believes me. <laughs> didn't. He's like, I didn't know. Oh my God. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, Motor City Madman. 
I felt like I wanted to address that, but I didn't want to actually listen to Cat No, you, you did the right way. You did yeah. it the right way. And Stranglehold rules, but it's also like 10 minutes long. Yeah, so we can't. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that'd be a lot. Yeah. All right. Uh, we're going to stay on me for a minute here. Sure. Uh, like I said, we're not doing the Stooges. Mm-hmm. But we are going to talk about the other sort of proto-punk band from the late 60s who were getting started and getting big around the same time as the Stooges and often get discussed in the same breath as the Stooges. And that's the MC5. That's who I thought you were going to put up. Yeah. Because I know their one song and I think their one song is great. Kick Out the Jams? Yes. Oh, you don't know Looking at You? That's no. my favorite one. I know Kick Out the Jams and I do and I'm like, oh, not only is the... MC5 version is good, but uh, Raging the Machine does a version of it. Oh, do they? It's sort of really the president of the Uni- presidents of the United States of America. Really? Yeah. Wow. In but, fact, when I was when I was in junior high, that's how I first heard of the MC5. Oh, okay. Because I was into the presidents of the USA, and they do a cover and kick out the jams. Okay. And it was great. I, I do like for a punk song. That's a great song. I mean, they're a great band. Yeah. So the video we're going to watch is a promotional video from Fender. You know, come to MC's yeah. guitars. For a Wayne Kramer signature guitar. And he was the lead guitarist. They had two. Okay. Wayne Kramer and Fred Sonic Smith, who later would marry Patti Smith. Oh. He's deceased now. Uh, as is their frontman, Rob Tyner. So Wayne Kramer is sort of like the spokesman for the oh, Okay. Uh, so, yeah, this is a promotional video for the signature guitar. But it's also a great sort of very quick quick and dirty biography of the band talks about why they're important shows some great footage of them live in 1970 plus an interview with Wayne Kramer not just talking about the guitar but the band in general and it's just like a great intro to the band so I like this clip it's called the Fender Wayne Kramer Stratocaster Um, so they're trying to sell you something but yeah Of course, they're going to go to check out the show. Yeah, I mean, I feel like you did have to. I hate that they censored it, though. I mean, yeah. the song is so famous for, it's like for starting reason. with them screaming, kick out the jams, motherfucker. Yeah. Yeah. So that's Wayne Kramer there with okay. his guitar, which he has painted with red and white stripes. And then the pit guard is the, is the stars. So it looks oh. like the American flag. Yeah, that is cool. Yeah. And Wayne Kramer... Started a band in Detroit. Look at him now. Oh yeah, he's he's a little geezer, but he's still awesome and he's really sharp. Yeah. I remember seeing video of Kick Out the Jam where they were playing and they were kicking their feet at the same time. Oh, they're really kinetic. And I was like, holy fuck, how are they doing that? Because the song is so fast. Yeah. I mean, that's why a lot of people consider them the first punk band. Yeah. MC5 were one of those influential bands that were truly ahead of their time. They were kind of the, the setup team, you know, the trailblazers that kind of cut the path for the next generation. That next generation of bands became that 70s punk revolution uh, with the Sex Pistols, the Clash, etc. Uh, but if not for the MC5 and other bands like the Stooges, uh, who's to say that that punk revolution they have would have been? one album? Uh... No, they had their first album that has Kick Out the Jams on it, which is actually actually a live album. Mm-hmm. And then I think they had two studio albums after that. Okay. Yeah, but they burned out pretty quickly. Weren't they also known for like their albums were really short? I don't know if maybe in particular maybe that's true. Maybe it's just the songs are really fast. Maybe that's what I'm Yeah, they're pretty fast. Yeah. Yeah. So that guy talking just now is like a just a Fender employee. Yeah. But everything that he said was true. Sure. A happened or B, it might have sounded quite a lot differently. 
I thought it was important uh, that the performance was on all levels. And it was, you know, musically it had to be dynamic and I mean, he could be a teacher now. Yeah, uh, he he is a really smart guy. Yeah, who's had a really tough life. Oh, really? Oh, yeah, he was you know a heroin addict and an alcoholic, and he spent some time in prison in the seventies. Oh shit! He does a lot of work now, working with prisoners. He's involved in Billy Bragg's organization that goes to prisons and like gives guitars to prisoners. Oh, and, uh, that's fucking he's, cool. He's he he didn't spend like a long stretch in prison. Yeah, but a few years and like a very clearly affected him deeply mm -hmm. and um he's still like pretty radically left mm -hmm. in terms of his politics too which the mc5 were yeah um he's just a really cool guy yeah and anytime i see an interview with him i'm always like god he's smart yeah uh, he sounds really i smart. love wayne kramer the way we perform physically had to express what was happening in the music and in other words oh wow look at this thing he's, he's doing almost like a james brown with his feet yeah he's really cool on stage Made up out of these exotic materials and the rest of the people in the band. So they were well. late '60s, early '70, like literally '70, maybe. Yeah, the the that live footage we're watching is um, them playing at Wayne State University in 1970. Kick out the jams is '69. Oh, okay, album, so. okay. And then they, they disappeared by like '72 or something like that. They were yeah. not around for a while. Yeah, that's that's uh, yeah. that's a bit fast burnout. And um, I thought maybe the guitar itself could be. Uh, part of this kind of total assault on the culture. When I painted the guitar with this motif, it it's was a cool really... Looking. It looks really I mean, I have no words to play the guitar, and that looks fucking cool. Yeah, you'd almost buy it just to have it, just to have it. on your wall. But, yeah, but would ne never play it, but you'd be like, look how cool that looks. I don't think Wayne Kramer would appreciate that, though. He'd be like, no, you got to play it, man. <laughs> be like, no, I'm good. Yeah. <laughs> okay. It was really to claim my patriotism in spite of what the country was doing at the time. That's real smart, yeah. From the time I was a boy and started playing the guitar, Fender guitars were um, the apotheosis to me. They were wow. just spectacular instruments. The shape of the guitars, the color, the finishes. Candy Apple Red is a, a hot rod finish, you know, and I'm from Detroit and I grew up Hell loving yeah. hot rod cars. Yeah. And there was a connection between the the aesthetic of the Fender guitar uh, and custom cars. I refer to... It's funny because, like, we're talking about Detroit in a musical context, and Detroit is very well known for my favorite thing and the thing that I just don't give a shit about at all. <laughs> music, music on the one hand and cars and on guitars. the other. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That is really interesting. I, I'm always interested, too, uh, with guitarists who are like, you know, even though this is a thing for Fender, but that yeah. he generally loves Fender. If you give uh, an acclaimed guitarist a different kind of guitar, yeah, obviously they can play it, but are they like, eh, don't like? Yeah, kind of. That happens, and sometimes yeah. they'll switch. Yeah, like um, like Paul McCartney was very famous for playing that that Hofner violin bass, mm -hmm. you know, that small one. Oh yeah, yeah. But then, like halfway through the Beatles, he switched to a Rickenbacker. Oh, okay. So like a lot of a lot of musicians are famous for like the brands and model of yeah. an instrument they play. But a lot of times you can like divide their careers of like, oh, that was when he switched from like the Fender to the Gibson. Oh, and then okay. he changed his sound a little bit, you know? So yeah. that's definitely a thing. Yeah. And uh, 
actually Kramer's going to talk about about that a little bit, oh, like right now. Look at that. If it will unpause for us, edit point. This as my kick out the jams American Revolution Stratocaster. It's the guitar I was playing in that era, and in fact, it's the guitar I play on that recording. On the album cover, it shows me playing a Gibson SG, which was a guitar I borrowed for the sound check, huh. uh, but I didn't actually use it on when we recorded. So the sound on Kick Out the Jams is actually this guitar. I thought that was an interesting trivia fact. Yeah, I never would have known. No. They, they just happened to be taking photographs and got an image of him playing not his yeah, guitar. During and the that's on the cover of the album. Yeah. I wonder if like real hardcore or musicians could be like, oh yeah, I could hear it. Like I if you're a real guitarist, they so. would think they would be like, yeah, yeah, yeah. He doesn't sound like he's playing a Gibson there. Yeah, I don't have ears for that, I but I'm even... sure there are guys who can tell. Yeah. Um, and there, I'm sure, there are certainly like fans of the band who would know, like he doesn't play a Gibson yeah. band. Fun fact. Yeah, 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 yeah. The guitar is an icon of, you know, A, capturing this musical moment where things change, but also kind of just owing to that freedom of musical expression and just the symbol this of is where Fender is trying to say yeah. the yeah. Fender is like this is how great Fender is <laughs> it's been yes. a very long Wayne Kramer process. had a Fender you should have a Fender yeah. 16 years we've been putting this together we started working on this in 1995 we've gone through uh, numerous uh, pickup arrangements well, wait it took that long to come up with the recreation of his classic guitar they spent 16 years on this? Yeah, I don't know what goes into it yeah. in terms of is it they were trying to make an exact copy of what he played back then or they were just in terms of aesthetics trying to make it a copy but getting the perfect uh, electronics to get okay. the sound that he wanted. Yeah. But they might have been different. Yeah. Um, I don't know that much about how guitars work yeah. other than you know their pick pickups and strings and yes. some knobs. <laughs> Some knobs. Wiring. Whammy bar, that's a thing. Yeah, there's totally a whammy bar. I got that. That's, yeah. Knobs, color schemes, and uh, finally... But also, like, as he said, his original one, he painted it himself. Yeah. So it's not like they had a past model to go on. And I don't know where his original is. Yeah, he doesn't so say that. So he doesn't say, like, I don't have it anymore. I have it in lock and I key. would assume, given his lifestyle, and I am I apologize if this is rude and I'm wrong, but, like, maybe he pawned it for money for drugs. Uh, yeah. Or it got stolen. Yeah. Or I, I would imagine he just doesn't have it anymore. It wouldn't be unheard of. Yeah. Yeah. Got it right. For a guitar player, um, it doesn't get any better. This is uh, the high point. You know, the guitar... So this is cool. <laughs> that is the, cool. The neck plate has carved into it. It says, this tool kills hate. That's great. Which is a reference. You know that reference, I right? I don't. Uh, Woody Guthrie, on his guitar, wrote, this machine kills fascists. Oh. Which is so this is famous. So that's like sort of a nod to that, I think. I like I this mean, quote better. Yeah. Art yeah. is the portal to me to expressing myself to the whole world that I've invented around myself. So to have you know your own signature model guitar is uh, a great uh, and humbling honor. The band Seminole. I mean that would be cool. Oh god! If yeah. you got to be Come on. a famous enough musician that uh, yeah, some company wants to give you your own yeah. branded guitar. Yes, please. Yeah. 
Yeah, they're, you're, they are really kinetic on stage. The, the amazing thing about that concert, and there's a bunch of it on YouTube for anyone who wants to watch it, is like, it's crazy to me how not into it the crowd seems. Like, they just seem confounded by what they're watching. I wonder if they're just like, what? They're yeah. just kind of bewildered and amazed rather than like in on it. Yeah, because nothing had sounded like that before. Yeah, and you just got real New England. The, yeah, sorry, sorry. <laughs> That's right. And That's if great. it's nineteen seventy, like yeah, it's still kind of right after the height of the hippie thing. Yeah, like still are the they like peacenicks there, and they don't know what to make of this yeah. sort of violent sounding music? Yeah, and, it's um, overwhelming. Yeah, or is it just I don't know? Like crowds just you know moshing wasn't a thing yet. Maybe that was just how you watched it. Right? Yeah. Right. So First of all time with Rolling Stone, kick out the jams is one of the hundred greatest rock songs. Have been nominated to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Etc. But where it really you can see their influences with artists and the artists that claim influence by the MC5 is super wide. Uh, you've got from Blue Oyster Cult cover and Kick Out the Jams to Africa Bambata to Rage Against the Machine to Jeff yeah. Buckley, Henry Rollins, Bad Brains. So it really yeah, a lot of people do that. Genre. <laughs> <and spans. laughs> I mean, it's, it's like a rock standard. Yeah, yeah, it's a staple. Yeah, and it's really. I mean, if I know it, for God's sake, exactly. yeah. <laughs> Rob Tyner is such a cool looking dude. Yeah, yeah, he really is. True. Big but throw. I think I their mind. version is the fastest version. Yeah, probably. I mean, like the the uh, the Raging Against the Machine, which I really like, is pretty straightforward. It almost kind of, I don't want to say grooves, but it really, it's got, it's got a little more funk and stank on it, but it's not nearly as fast as, as what they're yeah. doing. I mean, and at least Rage, they're, you know, an angry band. The first yeah. version I heard was the Presidents of the USA. And they were always like a fun, goofy band. And they do like a fun version of it. So that when I heard the MC5 for the first time, I was like, oh, whoa. This, like, is, Holy fucking this shit. is like a whole different thing. Yeah. 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 Myself as um, kind of the curator of the MC5's legacy. And I continue to tell the story of the MC5. And, and I think this guitar goes some ways to... Um, Maintaining that legacy. So he's the last member? No, but uh, they had like a bunch of different bass players and drummers, and oh, so okay. I don't even I don't even know what it is. I yeah. think it, the the ones who played uh, during their classic period and on Kick Out the Jams are Dennis and Mike. Mm -hmm. I can't even remember their full names. Okay, they're not. I mean, Wayne Kramer is sort of iconic. Mm -hmm. Rob Tyner is the front man. Yeah. He's very. You know what he looks like. Yeah. And uh, and Sonic, uh, Fred Sonic Smith was a, at least as good a, a guitar player as, as Wayne Kramer. Oh, wow. Um, he died in the, in the early 90s, I think. And Tyner died in the 80s. Oh, uh, He was only like oh, in his 40s. Yeah. Um, uh, so, yeah, that's it for, yes. for the MC5. Yeah. Needed to be done. One of the greatest bands of all time. I mean, yeah, they're good. Yeah, I, I yeah. can't even. So, I mean, I, I dropped the Stooges, but I could have not address those proto-punk bands from Detroit of that time. Yeah, you had to. So, yeah. I mean, I figured you were going to do MC5. I forgot that the Stooges were from Detroit. Oh, and we forgot to, or I forgot to point out that MC5 stands for, do you know? No. The Motor City Five. See? Yeah. That's a fine acronym. Yeah. Oh, they're fun. super from Detroit and proud yeah. of being from yeah, Detroit. That's yeah, that's great. Yeah. Don't complicate things. Do right. that. Right. Yeah. Well, because they 
came up with the name first and then shortened it <laughs> instead of the other way Which around. is the way you do things. Right. In, yeah. the, in, the, in the It's not like they said, let's call our band the MC5. <laughs> oh, but what does that mean? Hmm. Hmm. Wow. Let's table that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, boy. All right, but we're going to move on to one of your clips. And we're going in, in basically chronological order yeah. tonight. So that was uh, like 68 and then 70. Uh, but we're skipping right ahead to 1976 now. Yeah, we're gonna go to the Spinners. Yes, with uh, a Motown band. Not exactly. No. They weren't a full Motown band. Okay. They started as uh, what I read about it is they started as a Motown band mm-hmm. very early on, and uh, but it's one of those things where they're a Motown band, but then they were also like almost stage managers to other bands. Like they helped run other bands at the same time. For Motown? Yeah. Okay. And the story... Like the way that Martha Reeves was the secretary at Motown? Yeah. Kind of like, yeah. yeah. They just like, okay, you're going to, you're going to manage, not manage, but you're going to make sure those other bands get on stage, do their stuff, organize. Or the Andantes were their own band, but also the backing vocalists for like everybody. Oh yeah. 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 Um, So they, uh, and then I guess the story goes, uh, Aretha Franklin went, you know what? You need to get away from Motown. Go sign with me at Atlantic. Uh-huh. So they went to Atlantic, and that's when they really blew up. That's when they So popped. they started up. But they are, de- it's funny, they're a Detroit band. They started in Detroit. They had a brief dalliance with, motor, with, with Motown, went to Atlantic. And then a lot of people associate them with, like, the Philly sound. It, yeah, and they're not. They're, they're from Detroit. Detroit yes. They're very like the Temptations in a lot of oh, ways. Oh yeah. Not the least of which is there's been a million different members, and there's only so many. There's only one guy in the band who's still with the band who was an original member. Yes, I can't remember who that Neither is. Neither can I, but he's the Otis analog. Yes, and he's the one. Like I, they still do like you know, carnival, not carnival, yeah. uh, festivals yeah. and shit like that. And he's the one guy. I would bet all four of the other current members of the Spinners haven't been in the band for longer than 10 years, right? Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. So this is why, and they have a ton of hits. Well, they might, but I only know like one or two of them. Which ones do you know? Uh, Could It Be I'm Falling In Love? Yes. And what's the other one? Uh, Do you know Ghetto Child? Nope. Uh, Mighty Love? Nope. I'll Be Around. That's the one, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then they have one with Dionne Warwick and Never Knew Love Before Then Came You. No, I don't um, know those, and I don't know the one we're about to You know the Rubber Band? Oh, uh, Rubber Band Man's fucking great. Well, let's watch it. Yeah, this is, this is uh, the live version of Rubber Band Man. They're not fucking around with this. They do a lot of Temptation-style choreography. Yes. And but this is 1976, so it's like leisure suits. Are those leisure suits? Yeah, those? it's those, like, yeah, and the ruffled shirts. Yeah. They're not leisure suits, and then they're, you know, the, the sky powder blue. <laughs> the best, too, is, like, it's, so it's 76, so they're... It's fascinating because they're kind of some of them are balding, some of them have paunches. Yeah, it don't matter. Right, they're like middle aged dudes. They look middle aged dudes, and they yeah. might not be that old. That works for soul music in the seventies. Yeah, you though. get it's away like with that, it. That uh, Billy Paul look. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> These guys are great. Yeah, sure. Uh, this version. This is my favorite uh, Spinner song. I think I think this is the first Spinner song I ever knew. Okay. And I will, uh, you'll see why in the end because they do a specific dance that I think I've ever seen on some sort of show when I was like six or seven going, oh my God, look what they're doing. But I love their dancing because it's, (laughs) it's a little corny, but it's fun. It's a little corny. It's fun. It's not exactly really tight. Not like new edition tight. Or the temps. Yeah. Or the temps. It's not exact, but there's Or even as complicated. No, not at all. They're just kind of almost silly. But I love the song. Uh, it's funky. 
I love this live version too because there's a band behind it, and then there's just some uh, band leader who's barely just standing there doing nothing. Yeah, this can old we guy see in the back. What, what that is? Do we know what if this is from a TV show? What it is? I don't know what it's from. Uh, it doesn't say in the video description. I think. Yeah. Yeah. No. Uh, but yeah, they had a bunch. Of, it's a shame that's another one. They had, like if you see their best stuff, you go, oh, okay, I, I know. I'm, I mean, I might only know the two that I said I know, but... Um, but yeah, when you think of, like, the Temptations, you think of, like, the Spinners. Yeah. They're that guy. Oh, that's this guy in a, in a maroon suit just kind of uh, leading the band, but not really. What are the, what are the band's name? It says Ray, Ray something. Ray something. And then uh, three female singers, because that's what you have to do. Yeah. The lead singer is uh, going out to the crowd, and I like. Think, yeah, I like that too. If I'm not mistaken, I don't remember this man's name, but this was the last hit with him as lead singer. Then another lead singer came in. So he's again like the Temps. Yeah, the guy who's always been in the band is not like the star. No, never. So we're looking at like the. Uh, well, I was going to say the David Ruffin analog, but this is more like the Dennis Edwards yeah. analog yep. because of the time period. Yep, that's exactly that's a, that's <laughs> apt. That is apt. Uh, yeah, it's always fascinating with that. Yeah. Uh, I think they're coming up to doing the big, uh, this is what they're known for in this song. Yeah. Hey, they're going into their pocket. They're pulling out rubber bands. <laughs> <laughs> they're dancing with rubber bands. Oh, that is so gimmicky. <laughs> and I remember... Oh, but even, yep. the, even the background singers have. Yep. And I remember seeing this on, some, not this video, but them doing somewhere. Yeah. Going, oh my God. But the like big giant like those exercise yes like giant people. exercise band yeah, yeah, yeah. and they're just jamming with them which is the funniest thing ever because the song is rubber band man. but I did as a six or seven year old I remember when that's the coolest thing ever <laughs> they pulled out rubber bands how literal yeah and then they bring out some uh, there's a, a a woman they brought up on stage from the audience it's like hey dance with the rubber band with us uh-huh. yeah and then come back to our dressing room <laughs> exactly. I got some cognac for you. <laughs> uh, yeah, so now it's just a full-on jam of like a rubber band dancing. Yeah, this is fun. Yeah, because they've just dropped the choreography and they're just having <laughs> yeah, fun. Yeah. yeah, they're like, we're done. Let's just all have fun. Also, they had to tie those rubber bands together to do it, so it's a little more tricky than people think. Now, what's going on? It looks like a lot of fun. Although I have to say, I hate audience interaction so much. Yeah. That it's making me a little nervous. It stresses out a little this. bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, I can see that. Whether it's music or theater or like, I've never seen cats, but I know it's famous for the cats from Cats yeah. going out into the audience and like touching people and sitting in people's laps and sitting, singing to people. And I'm like, no. Yeah, I'm uncomfortable with that as well. Yeah. I don't like that. Stay, stay on stage and do the stuff from on stage. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But the people they brought on stage just now in this video look like they're having. Yeah, they, it was, yeah, they're having a good time. And they probably got to fuck the spinners later. So. <laughs> which, which is a win-win. <laughs> I mean, come on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, we're going to stay on some 70s soul with yep. another sort of similar group. Do you know this group? I do not oh, know this group oh. or the song. This is... But in my defense, they're much less famous than the spinners. This is, this is literally their only song. Okay. Uh, but they're from Like Detroit. they didn't put out any albums, just this one second. They, this was their only hit. Okay. Uh, for those of you who don't know, which you probably don't, it's the Floaters. Floaters. With a song called Float On, which, which I love. Which was not later covered by Modest Mouse. That's a different <laughs> song. <laughs> yes, exactly. 
But I love that the floaters had one hit and that one hit is float up. So I know you don't know this, but this is a staple. This is 1977. Uh, this is a, maybe more of like R&B radio specifically. R&B radio. This then. never crossed over. Yeah, never, I've, I've never over. heard it. Yeah. But here's I'm going to set up the song. And when you hear it, you go, wow. Here's the song. <laughs> okay. The song is essentially – the floaters contained uh, was uh, four guys. Yeah. So they sing the chorus. Then each one comes up, says their zodiac sign, <laughs> says their name. Yeah. Then talks about what they like in a woman. Then they go back to the chorus. Then the next cut comes up and does the exact same thing. And it's spoken, not sung. It's mostly spoken. And then they they sing the chorus. That's one of my favorite things in 70s soul. Yeah. Is when there's like that that breakdown, that bridge where like like one of the, usually like the bass will come yeah. out and be like, hey, baby. Yeah. yeah, yeah. This is this actually is not that, but this is all breakdown. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I see. <laughs> yeah. You're right. going to be like, wow. Okay. It's really just a talking song. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But if you play, if you go to classic R&B stations across the country, this will always be on. Okay. Always. Yeah. Okay. Um, and when I say I don't know it, I mean, I don't know it mm-hmm. by name. Mm-hmm. I didn't play the video ahead of time, and maybe I will recognize it. You might recognize the hook. The hook, okay. the hook is very famous. And there's a very famous talking part that uh, I love. Okay. It also seems like such a 70s thing oh. for me to be like, what's your sign? Yep. Yeah. Aquarius. Yep. This is literally <laughs> what they do. And these guys are great dancers. Here we go. <laughs> yep. Nailed it. I swear to God, I did not watch this ahead of time. <laughs> you I nailed just... it, Paul. <laughs> you nailed it. What's his name? Ralph. Ralph. Is it just talking? I love a woman who just like likes to be kept at home. <laughs> yeah. Barefoot and pregnant. I don't want a woman who wants freedom. Not Ralph. But Ralph likes a woman Ralph who likes, likes her her freedom. freedom. Yeah. A woman who can hold her own. Yeah. <laughs> and now there'll be a little bit of singing. The dance. Ooh. Yeah, I don't recognize this at all, but it's fucking awesome. Wait till they start to sing the chorus. It's great. Here you go. So have you heard that? That kind of rings a bell. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I hear this. I kid you not. You hear all. Wait, here's another one. Libra. Libra. And my name is Charles. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> now I like a woman that's quiet. <laughs> Did he say that's quiet? He likes a woman that's quiet. Okay, so he's different from Ralph. He's a little different from Ralph. <laughs> they all have different taste, Paul. Yeah. Is what they're trying to say. Hey, Ralph likes a strong, <laughs> independent woman. I'd really prefer it if you shut the fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> You're down with Charles. A Okay, so he still likes a strong woman, but the strong silent. Type. Yeah, and they have to be pretty, apparently. Because, yeah. like, Miss Universe. Oh, yeah, well, yeah. Yeah. Now, he's sitting, now it's his turn to sing. Oh, hell yeah. Yeah. Yeah, falsetto. Oh, he is not the one I nope. expected to be the falsetto. Nope. Fucking great. Because, like, Eddie Kendricks, you're like, you would guess. Like, yeah, he's the smaller yeah. the smaller one. Tall, lanky guy. Yeah. Yep. I would have thought that he'd be, like, the bass. Yep. 
You surprised me, Charles. Yep. And they're just singing the same thing. Yeah. Except the last guy, there's a surprise. Again, the, the mild choreography of <laughs> yes. this is sort of insane. They're like swaying. Stepping back and forth. And they're floating. And they've got tail jackets. Yeah, they're wearing tuxedos. Yeah. They're wearing blue tuxedos. Powder blue tuxedos. Powder blue tuxedos. Powder blue tuxedos. And ruffle shirts. And the choreography never changes. For each verse, it's the same, and it's great. This is very comforting. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's very soothing. Uh, yep. Here's the third guy. Leo. Now, my name is Paul. Paul. Hell yeah. Yeah. Paul, what's your sign? Scorpio. Taurus. I don't know what that shit means. I <laughs> don't either. Except I guess I'm angry a lot. I want to back it up because I didn't get to hear what he's oh, saying. Oh, what he likes I'm genuinely yeah. interested. I mean, this is compelling. Yeah, it really is. You once, you, once you realize what the gimmick is, you're like, yeah. oh, okay. This yeah. Is, yeah, it's keeping me interested. I still didn't hear it. I, I insist I on, think, on I hearing. think he's something that he likes all the women of the world. Just everyone? <laughs> just everyone. Just just any woman. Just, I just I'm so lonely. I'll take right. anyone. Thank you, guys. That is literally what he said. Now I'll get into it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Paul. Dude, each one dude is smoother than the, than the last. Wait till you get to the last oh, guy. They saved the best for last? They saved the best for last because he, he ends it and he ends it with wailing. Yeah. But he does something that's very different from these guys. And it's famous. Okay. His, his name and uh, sign are the famous parts of this. Yeah, oh, okay. Sign. Okay. Here we go. That has been used so many times. I've heard that. That is like the quintessential part. Cancer, Cancer and my name is Larry. And my name's Larry. <laughs> it's just how he says it. Yeah, it was a little... Yeah, like if you talk to someone song. who's like my age with those R&B, they'll yeah. be like, yeah, floaters. <laughs> yeah. I love this. Here's, here's what it <clears throat> reminds me of, and this is going to sound weird, but <laughs> it, it very much evokes in me... The same feelings that watching Teletubbies makes me feel. In what? Did you ever watch Teletubbies? No, like, I don't imagine so because you were too old and you didn't have kids yet. Yes. When Teletubbies was a big deal in the late 90s and early 2000s, I was in high school and yeah, college. Yeah, I know of it. That's all. I used to like to smoke pot and watch Teletubbies. And what they would do on Teletubbies is there's four of these little creatures mm-hmm. And they would always do these elaborate things. Like, today we're doing this. It's like we're having pudding. And mm-hmm. we make the pudding. <laughs> and we put it in the bowls. And yay, pudding. And they would go through a routine mm-hmm. step by step. And then when they finished, they would go, yay. And they'd go, again. And they would do it all. They would show it all again. Yeah. Then, you know, they were Teletubbies. They'd have, they had little television screens on their bellies. Yeah. And in each episode, they would watch... Some video of kids doing things, sort of like Sesame Street, mm-hmm. like a remote video. They'd watch this whole like two minute or three minute clip on their Teletubby bellies. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. And yeah. then when it was over, they'd go again, and they'd play the clip again. And I think the reason was, you know, people always accuse Sesame Street of instilling short attention spans yeah. in kids because it's like one clip, like quick thing, and then yeah. another quick thing. It's like that MTV style almost. Mm-hmm. And I think it was Teletubbies was designed to. Do the opposite, like be patient and appreciate uh, slow 
drawn out. And this is like, when I say it's relaxing, I yeah. get, they're each doing the same thing. Yes. It's very yes. patterned. Yep. The, it doesn't vary. The choreography is the same yep. every time, yep. like you said, and it's all a circle and... It's comforting because you know what's com- what, yep. what to expect. Yep. You know it's going to repeat. You enjoy it every time. And I'm getting the same feeling I That's used to get great. from being stoned and watching Teletubbies. I bet you being stoned listening to the song would be Very, yeah. Very, Very peaceful. Yeah. Very peaceful. Yeah. And I like a woman that loves everything. Go ahead, Larry. And everybody. <laughs> and you know what, ladies? If you feel that this is you, Okay, now he changes this up a bit. Now listen. To love land? They all sing that. Now here's how he changes it up. With Larry. With Larry, instead of sharing your love with me, with Larry. He's a third person again. <laughs> yep, and then he just he just goes off at the end. Yeah. And now they're going to wrap it up. They're going to show a little video on their bellies and then a son <laughs> with a baby's head in it. And they'll say, rise. do it again. Again. Yeah, there's that with you, I kind of do want to watch this whole thing again. Oh, gonna... that's, look what they're doing to finish it out. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. That was awesome. (laughs) That's the floaters. Yeah. Float on. Thank you, Detroit. I feel so mellow now. (laughs) I'm so so chilled out. Uh, I'm so glad that that came into your life. We're going to watch another one of yours. All right. I'm going to stay on the R&B tip. Yeah, because that's what I did. Yeah. I mean, that's your thing. This is my thing. This is our dynamic. I'm a little (laughs) bit. Exactly. You're a little bit R&B. I'm a little bit rock and roll. Yeah. And, uh. Neither of us are ever country. No, ever. Um, but we're going to watch radio. And I know you know part of radio. I know that this is Ray Parker Jr.'s band. Yes. Yeah. This is Ray Parker Jr.'s first band. Yeah. Um, there is uh, a lot to talk about in this. Right, by the way, in case anyone listening doesn't know who Ray Parker Jr. is. Guys. He did the theme from Ghostbusters. Yes. Who you're going to call. Yes. He ripped off Huey Lewis in the news. <laughs> That's to right. do That's Ghostbusters. Right. Yes. Um, but he had this group in Detroit called Radio, spelled R-A-Y-D-I-O. Yeah. Um, they actually had about two or three big hits, mm-hmm. two or three big R&B hits. Um, Ray Dio, by the way, is also Ronnie James Dio's brother. Really? R-A-Y? No, not really. <laughs> I was going to say, that would be great. Although maybe his brother's name is I hope that Dio. exists. <laughs> I hope that's a thing. Um, so this is their song from 78 called You Can't Change That. Okay. Uh, I love this song, although it is a full on, this is like a full on stalker song. You'll hear it. This is like, I I love the, I love the, like lyrically, lyrically, you're like, okay. Like, is you can't change that. Like, girl, I'm coming for you. Girl, like you can change the color of the hair. You can change the clothes you wear. Yeah. You can't change my love. I don't care. You can't change that. Yeah. It's a little like, but the song itself is so like sweet and R&B ish. You're like, oh. I mean, there's a lot of sentiment from past eras that was considered romantic yes. or sweet. Yeah. That is now uh, in a, in a new climate and culture, no longer that way. Yeah, this might be it. Uh, so I assume in context, this isn't like when uh, Blurred Lines came out a few years ago and can like uh, contemporary. 
contemporary audiences were already yes. like, no, this song is fucked up. Yeah. This was 78 and people were like, oh. Back then people were fine with love. it. It's only in retrospect yeah. that we're like, exactly. That's a little Back then they're like, oh, he's in love. Okay. That's, that's cute. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know it, but I already love it. <laughs> yeah. Now, uh, not the most dynamic band. Ray Parker Jr. is not the most dynamic performer. No. But, I mean, he, you know, he created some, some, some big hits. I'm not sure if he's playing the bass there because he just... I, ju- I just noticed that, too. Yeah. In the first shot, he's playing bass. What I'm hearing is sort of a slap bass sound. Yes. But he is neither plucking the strings with his fingers the way you normally see yeah. bass players play. He's not playing it with a pick. And he's not slapping the way we're used to seeing where you slap with your thumb and pop with yes. your index finger. Yeah. He's just sort of patting the strings. He's patting it. Yeah, like patting With his it. fingers. It's weird. So I'm like, no, nah, maybe not. I, but I thought he was a musician. I thought he played guitar. So you're saying he's just miming playing and this is not his unique style. <laughs> I, 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 I'm not being sarcastic. I don't know. Maybe I he is playing so. that. I think so. That's really weird. And I can't. Because like Sting is a bass player. Yeah. Have you ever seen him play bass? Yeah, I have seen him play bass. He plays. He doesn't slap with his thumb but he plucks yeah, the he strings plucks yeah. with his thumb on like a downstroke yeah which is weird which is very strange yeah so maybe this is Ray maybe Parker's this way is, I could be wrong but it's weird it is definitely weird yeah um I wasn't looking at his fretting hand I'm curious to know if he's actually fretting yeah or if he's just like holding the neck and, and patting but that was very strange and I noticed it immediately I can't quite tell. Yeah, I, can't I tell. suspect he's not really playing. Yeah. Um, but radio got so big that it became Ray Parker Jr. and Radio. Ooh. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Which I'm like, dude, you already named Ray Radio. <laughs> okay, so this guy, here's where we come full circle with everything. He's already great. That's a, a gentleman named uh, Jerry Knight. And uh, after radio, he left to form uh, a group called Ollie and Jerry. Mm-hmm. And they uh, did the theme song to Break In and Break Into Electric Boogaloo. Oh. It always comes back to Break In. Yeah. We, get, we have break dancing in every <laughs> yeah. episode of this yeah. fucking podcast. And I didn't know that until I did a little deep dive on it. And I was like, because okay. they're like, they're like, when the band broke up, Jerry Knight went on for some success with uh, Ollie and Jerry for a break, theme song of Break In, Ain't No Stopping Us. And then uh, Break Into Electric Boogaloo. And I was like, holy shit. And from what I understand, Ollie was a sock puppet <laughs> yeah. who later joined another sock puppet named Siffle, and they had a show on MTV in the 90s. Which, I mean, so a long career. Yeah. A long, gifted career for, yeah. for, for everyone involved in this, in this endeavor. <laughs> I bet people didn't know that Ray Parker <laughs> Jr. was connected by one step to Siffle and Ollie. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> um, I see what you mean, like they're not super dynamic, but yeah. they look like they're having fun. Yeah, and like they're they're smooth. Yeah. They're smooth, but they're not like killing it. Like I like this dude. Just he almost oh, looks he's like cool. he's cool and he's like, I got this. They're both they're all like, yeah, we got this song. Oh whoa. I love the drummer. Yeah. The drummer's cool. He kind of looks like uh, Questlove? Yes. Yeah. A little he bit. He looks like young 70s Questlove. Yeah. It's crazy. it's crazy. He's happy. Yeah. And he's got uh, he rainbow plays, suspenders. He plays drums the same way Questlove. Yeah, does, just, he's yeah. sort of leaned back and leaned real back. casual. Yeah, he plays very like um, I don't want to say casually because that sounds like an insult, but uh, in a laid back way. Yeah, like, just not not putting the not whole body. Not flashy. Yeah, sort of. Yeah, yeah. Controlled and controlled yeah. is a good word. 
Yeah, <laughs> you can change your address. Your telephone number you can't change your address. From loving you. And hey, 1978, you go. It doesn't necessarily mean that he's going to find her. He's just saying, like, look, maybe you're going to go off the grid, and I'll never see you again. But I will still love you. Okay, well, here, go. Let's wait for the next one. <laughs> go, man. I'm trying to give you an outright. I'm trying to give you an Because then, because uh, then Jerry comes in. His base is also real weird looking. Yeah, it's real weird. It's real futuristic. Hair. I mean, I guess that's a okay. He's like, you're gonna look different. Yeah. And that's fine. I I'm love still, you. No I still love you. Yeah. So, yeah. Oh boy, we're real reaching, but yeah. I'll also say this about this performance, performance, which is strange, is like everybody in the band is sort of on a different wavelength in terms of like how much energy <laughs> yes. they're putting out. Yes. Like, yes. Ray's like, ooh, I'm going to be real cool. Yeah. And what's his name? Jerry's Jerry like is, going off a little he's, bit. Yeah. He's wicked into it. Yeah. Um, Questlove is just kind of chilling. Yeah. And the keyboard's very just chilling. Smiling. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, they're all happy to be there. They're all happy to be there. They had uh, uh, a couple of hits. I love that keyboard. Ray Parker also had another kind of stalkery song, I Can't Get Over Losing You. Okay. And he's like, at the end, he wails, don't you ever try to leave, because I can't get over <laughs> losing you. And I'm like, okay, you went overboard on that one, right? Well, look, it doesn't. the, the worst offenders, the worst offender is still John Lennon. The Beatles have a song called Run For Your Life. Oh, Do you know that song? no, but I've heard of it. Yeah. Yeah. You better run for your life if you can, little girl. He's basically okay. saying, I'm going to fucking kill you. That's why yeah. the Beatles are lesser in my mind. Yes. Well, John Lennon is, is much overrated, but <laughs> I'll say yes. that for a don't at me. That's right. Yeah. Um, yeah, so they had another another big song of theirs was... Oh, what was, oh look at his shoes. Nice boots. Yeah, Ray's killing it. I see why he had to change the name to Ray Parker and Radio, though. Because yeah. Jerry is kind of upstaging it. Like, Jerry bit. is the star of it. Yeah, Jerry's pretty good at that. Yeah. Uh, that but he didn't have as a, much of a focal point in other songs. Like, uh, their other big song was A Woman a woman Needs Love Just Like You Do. Mm-hmm. And that's from 1980. And that's all Ray Parker. One day I will show you that video, because that video is just like, what? It's a real <laughs> weird video of... Ray Parker walking through a bar talking to people. It's odd. Well, we'll have a B-Sides episode. Love we'll B-Sides and we'll put more radio on it. The other thing interesting about Jerry is he's out front, but he's a second drummer with the smaller kit, like Sheila E. style. I could be wrong. I think that's just for the video. Oh, the way that we think that Ray's not really playing. Yeah, I think that they played... I think that maybe I could be out of line because I can't remember. Yeah. I thought Jerry played an instrument as well, and then maybe just for the video, they're like, uh, "Here, just stand in front just of the there. Okay. in front of the percussion." Interesting. Yeah. All right. Well, we're gonna go back to um, to me for a little bit of power pop. I know this guy. Yeah, but how well do you know Marshall Crenshaw? I know he had one like medium hit that I'm forgetting the name. He had a couple of them. I don't know if this is the one that you know. Uh, you may be thinking of Someday, Someway. Is there another one? This is Whenever You're On My Mind. I have to hear it. But there's a few interesting fun facts about Marshall Crenshaw. Yeah. Who is the reason why Eminem is, isn't even my favorite dude named Marshall from Detroit. All right. 
I love Marshall Crenshaw. He's one of those guys who is a great singer songwriter who never really made it big, but who's always had like a cult audience of yeah. music nerds. Yeah, it was like when he came out, it was almost like there's this guy named Marshall Crenshaw. Yeah. Oh, and people are like, oh, he could he could break. He didn't he didn't even break that big, and he kind of stayed underground. I think probably because. He popped like right around the time of MTV. Yeah. And he's one of those artists who stopped, who suffered from being, he's not at all a bad looking guy, but he's not like sexy and he's not dynamic. He just looks like a regular dude. Yeah. He, he kind of looks like a dweeb. Yeah. Well, which we'll see. And then there's an interesting sort of fact around that, but I'll just start the video. I'm just going to watch the music video for Whenever You're On My Mind, which is from his second album, Field Day in 83. And it's a very silly video, and the plot of it doesn't really matter, but it shows him in, like, various uh, time periods and places, oh, okay. and he always sees the same woman. Oh, does It's he? a weird little... God, yeah, I remember that dude. Yeah, He's yeah, got yeah. glasses. And he, looks, he looks just like Buddy Holly. Yeah, yeah. That was, like, his... Not his thing, but that's what people always like, oh, he looks like Buddy yeah. Holly. And his music sort of sounds yeah. like an updated Buddy Holly, you know, kind of power pop sound. That's probably why he played Buddy Holly in La Bamba. Oh, that's right. Yeah. That's right. Because everyone always mentioned, like, compared him to... Yep. You know, people talk about Elvis Costello being, looking yeah. like Buddy Holly, which he kind of looks like him, but his Warner. music nothing like... I know Marshall, this song. Yeah, Marshall yeah. Crenshaw's the second coming. Yeah. I remember him actually being pretty good in La Bamba. He was yeah. actually good. He's he's great. And yeah. He's, he, he, he writes great songs. He's a good guitar player. I love Marshall Crenshaw. Um, Steve Lillywhite produced the album this is on, which is why it kind of has that big, yeah. kind of bright, big production sound to it. This also sounds, and it's funny that he's from Detroit. Yeah. In my mind, I was like, oh, this guy's from England. Yeah, I can see how you'd think that, yeah. I, I put him in that vein of like... Graham Parker. And, yeah, ecstasy yeah. a little bit. Not okay. as much, but just the poppy stuff, the yeah. poppy British sound. I mean, for all I talk about being into punk, like, this kind of really, almost treacly, like, power pop rock and roll yeah. is super my thing. I, yeah, no, totally. So, like, even where, like, my, when I was growing up, I'd have certain music I liked, and my parents would be like, dude. Like, oh, come I, on. I, <laughs> yeah. Well, um, other interesting facts about Marshall Crenshaw, he was one of several musicians who appeared on The Adventures of Pete and Pete. Do you remember that show? No. Yeah, it was a kid's show in the 90s on Nickelodeon. Okay. But it had a lot of, like, like Michael Stipe from R.E.M. was on it. Iggy really? Pop was a regular on oh, it. shit. Uh, Sid Straw. Dude, oh, okay, yeah, no, yeah, yeah. Uh, Gordon Gano from Violent Femmes was, oh, like, played a math teacher on it. Wow. And Marshall Crenshaw played, like, a meter reader. He <laughs> played a guitar. It was a really weird, like, kid show. Yeah. That, um, had its feet in, like, alternative culture. That's in cool. Yeah. Uh, here's another fun fact. He co-wrote the song Till I Hear It From You for the Jim Blossom. No way. Yeah. I'm going to go on record saying that's the only Jim Blossom song I like. I loved the Jim Blossom when I was a kid. I hated that. Like but I signed Pine Records and I was like, yeah. that's a good song. Because because of the time that they were a thing, they get roped into like kind of alt-rock, but they're a power pop band. We, we used to refer to the, that kind of music as a 90s harmony song. 90s harmless. Yeah, that's what we used to say. But I, that song is a great song. Yeah. Well, maybe it's because Marshall Crenshaw co-wrote it. Right? There you go. There's another one more fun fact before this ends. 
he also wrote the titular song for the movie Walk Hard. <laughs> Did he? The, the, the biopic The biopic with John yeah. C. Riley, Which is, other than Spinal Tap, I think is the greatest like rock and roll comedy. Yeah, it's funny. Walk shit. Hard is excellent. Yeah, I've not seen it since it came out. But yeah. I remember loving that movie. They had a few different songwriters, like Van Dyke Parks, who used to write with Brian Wilson, actually wrote the song in the movie that's like um, a Beach Boys parody. Oh, wow. And so they had different songwriters contribute different songs, but Marshall Crenshaw did the actual song Walk Hard. Oh, wow. He wrote that. So so what's he doing now? Do we know? He just, you know, he still just tours around and plays. Like, he's not playing arenas or anything. Yeah. But he's just one of those guys who ha- his audience is usually like, you know, the middle-aged white dudes who love Marshall yeah, Crenshaw. And they've and, stuck with him. And yeah, Graham Parker stuff. and maybe yeah. Jonathan Richmond and like, Jonathan Richmond, he's, yeah. he's a music yep. nerds yes. kind of guy. Yes. It's the guy that uh, Paul Rudd's character in This is 40 would listen to. Yeah. Well, I think Graham Parker actually yeah. is the Graham guy Parker that is, character yeah. listens to. Yeah. yeah but I'll bet you Judd Apatow loves Marshall Crenshaw. Oh, 100%. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. Um, and I love Marshall Crenshaw. Yeah, he's, he's good. And he's from Detroit. I so. did. I swear to God, I thought he was from England. Yeah. Um, but we're going to go back to some R&B. Yeah. Uh, from a band who you say is not from Detroit. No, but I put him in because I love them so much. Yeah, and Flint isn't too far away from Detroit and also doesn't have too much of a music scene of its own. So no. We'll count it. It's, and they were discovered in, by a Detroit label. So I was like, oh, okay, that counts. <laughs> we'll let it count. We'll let it slide. This yeah. is ready for the world. Again? Well, no, I know you know them. You, you know that I do know them. I know that you do know them. You just don't know this song and you don't know... Because you know the song, Oh, Sheila. I, oh, oh, Sheila. Yes. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, it's, it's ready for the world. And when that came out, everyone's like, is this a Prince song about Sheila E? Because it's very much sounds like Prince. It sounds okay. like a Prince song. What year are we talking about here? 84. This is, uh, this is from their debut album, Ready okay. for the World. Uh, oh, Sheila came out. Oh, Sheila, Ready for the World has a very rare distinction of being the only, uh, the, not only, the first band ever to have a number one song on Billboard, R&B, and dance. And that was Oshila. Huh. Yeah, that, that song was huge. Like, you mean Hot 100? Hot 100, number one. R&B and dance. It was on R&B, no, no and pop. And, yeah, it was, it was number one on the pop charts, yeah. it was number one on the R&B charts, and it was number one on the dance charts. Right, when you say the pop charts, do you is that separate from the Hot 100? Like the it, was, it was Billboard. Billboard 100. Right, 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 right. Yeah, yeah. No, okay, yeah, I'm picking up what you put there. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Uh, it seems strange to me only that that hadn't happened before that. Yeah, I know. It had never happened. They were the first ones. Okay, that's yeah. cool. Uh, probably because it's probably hard to get that dance one in. You can get R&B and, and pop, yeah. but to get number one as well on... Uh, well, you would have thought, like, fucking Michael Jackson would have done that. Yeah, you would have thought, but nope. You know what I mean? Nope. Like this is this it seems the, like those three three things aren't so far apart. That yeah, yeah. But uh, the, uh, ready for the world has the distinction. And they always will be. You can't break that record. No nope. firsts are firsts. Firsts are first, yeah. man. So this is one of their. Uh, this is like their third single off their debut album called "Digital Display," which is very eighties. Okay. You're gonna hear it and see, it and you're like, oh Jesus, this is like a spoof of the eighties. It's a weird song title and a weird band name to where when you sent it to me, I was like, 
I'm not sure if the band is ready for the world or <laughs> yep. digital display. RFTW. Yeah. But it was never an acronym or a backronym. <laughs> they were ready for the world. They have a really cool logo, which yeah. is uh, a world, and then it says RFTW on it. Okay. Um, but we can play it, and I'll yeah. talk about uh, ready for the world. Yeah, Oshila, everyone thought that was Prince. Um, and they kind of have this thing of like, they sound like whatever is popular. In its time. So, like, when Prince came yeah. out, they sounded a little bit like yeah, Prince. So, like John Lennon. <laughs> Again. They're not actually creative or talented. They just copy whatever's popular. A little bit. I'm really thrown out. Don't ask me. I should save this you, for our you next You need to video. save it for the, for the uh, yeah. I love any music video that starts with a newspaper headline. Like, <laughs> last, just, on the last yeah. episode, we had that issue of yeah. Variety that the front page headline was Jackson Seek Beautiful Bodies or whatever yes. it was. This is Digital Security Invents Robotic Woman. That from the Daily Tribune. Which actually, at least that looks like a real paper. Right, it? instead of just printing it out and yeah. pasting it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I don't know what Digital Security Invents Robotic Woman means for what we're about to see. None of it makes any sense. Okay. So again, very 80s. Yes, very 80s. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, so far, this could almost be a Prince beat, but... Yeah. They have, they have they have that vibe. Here's the other thing. This too. also sounds a little like Kraftwerk. A little bit. They were very, very synth-heavy. Yeah. Now, it's also one of the bands, and it's hard for me, it's, I, I do get a little sad about it, because there's no, there's no such thing as R&B bands. They do not exist. Yeah. They're done. And this R&B, is R&B of, is relegated to, like, the hooks on hip-hop yep. records. Yep. And then, or you'll have an R&B solo artist. They'll yeah. Have a, well, Beyonce. Beyonce or, yeah. 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 There's there no, no more there groups. No more groups. Yeah, you've pointed that out before. And then every time you remind me of it, I'm like, yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. That that's Yeah. Not even just singing groups. There's no, they were a band. Yeah. Like, they actually played instruments. They all, have, uh, except for the lead singer, but there was, there was a guitarist, there's two keyboards, drummer, bassist. I mean, other than the fact that, like, Boys to Men still exist. Yeah. The Temptations still exist. Yeah, I mean, but that was all but, singing. <clears throat> like, specific, like... Right. Like, Cool in the Gang, Gap Band, you know, uh, Earth, Wind & Fire, even, you know, like, Ready for the World, Full Force. They all had instruments in their in their music. Yeah. Not anymore. It's yeah. all gone. Yeah. And this was kind of at the height of it. Like, there were, by the, by the uh, mid-90s, they really weren't around. Yeah, anymore. we really need, like, a second wave funk oh, like a funk so revival great. yeah you know? we really do yeah. um yeah you can go play and this is another band that they had a, actually a fair amount of hits yeah not the most they're not a real dynamic band they were okay but you would think oh they could be a little more dynamic they're just a very low key the lead singer is named melvin riley yeah no relation to teddy <laughs> um and he's the leader of the band and yeah, he's real low key, and yeah. you know, just had a fine voice, not a great voice. Uh, but so I like talented, but not able to pop in a in a yeah, they, pop culture. Way. Yeah, so they were always a little under the radar. They didn't have hits. Uh, they had a hit called "Love You Down" was a big hit off their second album. They had they had four albums, but the third and fourth album, they were they were kind of pushing like. Pushing them up a little bit. I assume they don't exist anymore. In any they reun. They Melvin went solo for a little bit, and then uh, there he is. And then they reunited for like tours, and but they didn't record again. Yeah. So now I'm sure they do like any sort of like festival event. But they basically broke up. It's a weird video for the music. Yeah, it makes yeah. 
It's also like they're in a factory. Yeah. And there's it, a, it, a. It looks like a Devo video or yeah. something, but they are doing some real poppy R and B. Yeah, and it's like there's a security breach. Yeah, and it's almost dystopian. Yeah, and there's a robotic woman that's going to come onto the screen eventually. Yeah. Um. Yeah, it makes no sense. Yeah. Uh, and none of their songs even really are really like this. This isn't this is an outlier for the RFTW. You've got some early CGI here mm-hmm. though. That's interesting. Oh yeah, they lean heavy into this. Because then it's like but that's also a very '80s music video thing of like, oh, here's something that's visually interesting <laughs> that I don't know what the hell it's supposed to be. It, it doesn't mean anything, yeah. <laughs> but we'll put it in there because we can. Yeah. So now they're creating the woman. Oh, so, okay. And now she's going to dance. All right, so it's weird science. Yeah. <laughs> it is weird science a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, I see what you mean. Like, he's not super dynamic. He's not done it. He's not really selling it. Yeah. And he never really did. He could sing and, like, you know, they did all their own music and everything. Yeah. And this is the other thing, guitar solo. You never what? hear guitar solos in army anymore. Well, no, but at the time you definitely heard them in Prince songs. Yeah, you heard them in Prince songs. Yep, right? yep. Yeah. But they had a lot of songs that had solos in it. Full Force had solos in some of their stuff. Yeah, it was still a considered a thing. Yeah, I can tell that this bothers you. It really it's exactly bothers me. Exactly sort of music. Yeah. yeah, I want more. I want more R and B bands out there. They're 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 not there. You know, why don't you stop complaining and be the change you want to see in the world? <laughs> I start. I need to you look need into to the mirror. Start an R and B group that uh, with dudes who play their own instruments. I should. I need to look in the mirror. Yeah. Be the man in the mirror. Yeah. Are you the one who's going to revive funk in America? <laughs> Kurt Benjamin, forty-eight-year-old <laughs> white guy, is going to revive funk band from, for America from Cleveland. From Cleveland. You could do that. I mean, I Ohio has funk. Ohio has funk. I mean, Ohio's the center of funk. Okay. Yeah, it is. So, not necessarily Cleveland, but... Yep. See, they're playing music right there. Yeah. See? No, they're cool, but I can see what you mean. Like, they don't have the stage presence. No, which is didn't. Which is the bummer about pop music in general, is that it does, it's, not, it's not a meritocracy, and it rewards looks and performance as much as actual, like, songwriting yeah. or, or instrument playing ability, and... You'll get artists like this or Marshall Crenshaw who maybe don't get the props they deserve. Yeah, they're just a little less on the performance level. Right, right. Like if Buddy Holly had been a thing in the era of MTV, he probably wouldn't have been a big star either. Yeah, valid point. Yeah, valid point. And the the, the example that people always mention is Christopher Cross. It's true. He was like becoming the biggest star in the world. Huge. And then MTV became a thing. I mean, the, the fact that it's, it's probably apocryphal. I don't think you can blame MTV for killing his Not career. Not necessarily, but I mean, the dude had like, he wasn't like a one hit wonder. He had like five top ten hits. Yeah. A couple of them were number ones. Yeah. And then MTV and they're like, mm, hard pass. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. But we, we love Christopher Cross. We do love Christopher show. Cross. We've given him his props. Yes. Uh, we have another video, one more left from you. Oh, yeah. You did go chronological. Another right. artist with whom I am not familiar as far as I know. This is uh, this is gospel, okay. But the gospel that I like now the, is it Winans? Winans. So the they wi- are like a whole family. The Winans like are a family. Singers, yes. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Winans out of Detroit, uh, um, a huge family of like ten mm-hmm. who did like traditional gospel, 
very popular, very big. And uh, BB and Cece, BB Benjamin, Cece Priscilla, uh, brother and sister. Okay. Uh, they left the the group and did their own thing for a couple of years. Uh, and this is from 1988. So left this, the group amicably. Or? Yeah, okay. yeah. It was just one of the like they were good singers. They kind of had a chemistry. Let's put let's have them record. So. They have this song called Heaven off the album Heaven from 1988. The only reason I know this is because I worked, uh, summer of 1989, I worked in a record store in Cleveland. And on Sundays, uh, our assistant manager in the mornings would be like, I'm just playing gospel. Uh, and she would play, um, Renee, she would play uh, BB and CC Winans a lot. Okay. And I really liked it because it does not sound like, because I'm not a huge gospel fan. This sounds like R&B. But it's a gospel song. Did everybody in the store like it, or were you like her one buddy who was like, "I like this"? Everybody song. Everyone, everyone liked it. Okay. Yeah, everyone liked it. Let's see if I like it. Yeah, I'm not so sure. <laughs> Come on, I'm not that close-minded. But it sounds super late '80s. Yeah, it looks super late '80s. Like it so far. Oh yeah, when you said gospel, this is not what I was expecting. Yeah. Oh, that's like an Art of Noise sort of yeah. effect. Yeah. It's it's a real interesting song for gospel. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah, the, the the lyrics are about heaven. So that's gospel. So it's still Christian. Yeah. They uh, they actually, you'll love this. One of their producers, I don't know if you produced this song, uh, produced Amy Grant. All right. <laughs> I know you love Amy Grant. You sparked on that. Yeah, I mean, that one album. But, uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, and this got a little bit of radio play. Yeah, BB's got a great voice. BB can sing. Yeah. This is this is one of those. This makes me the most nostalgic of everything I play. Oh yeah, it just hits me. Just like I just, and it makes me think of I'm 19 in the record store. I mean, I have no connection to it whatsoever. Yeah, this is the first time I've ever heard it. But I, dude, this is awesome. Oh, good. Yeah, good. It's a little odd. I mean, it's yeah. not like clearly any particular genre. Yeah, and it's not an obvious like you know radio hit. No, but yeah, it's it cool. was played. But it was R and B enough to be put on R and B stations uh, in regular rotation. And it doesn't remind me of Teletubbies or anything. But again, <laughs> like float on, very like yeah, you feel good, very mellow. Yeah, you're like yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 It doesn't have to be about God or anything. It's just like, yeah, feel good. Yeah. And that's how I took it. And that's uh, that's CC with the quintessential uh, late 80s female jacket. Yeah. Yeah. This video is in black and white, but I would assume that that jacket has some pretty bold colors in it. I, would, we got I would put 20 bucks on it that it's yellow. Oh, I was thinking green, but you might be right. I mean, yeah. I think we're both right yeah. in our own minds. <laughs> yeah. It, now, I mean, there's a bunch of singers here. Are those not? Those aren't Winans, though. No. Those are just other. Yeah. This is strictly their, and this was like a pretty big breakthrough album and song. Yeah. And so they did a couple of other albums after this, some more gospel than others. Uh, they had another hit on this album called "I'm Lost Without You." Which again doesn't sound like a gospel song, and you could refer to like a this could one. almost be a slow jam. Yeah, I, you know, I wouldn't. I, for, I wouldn't want to mess around to gospel music. <laughs> yeah, for a while, 
It's not, but for a while, I was like, hey, did Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis produce this? Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it's got a little bit of that, and then I was like, no, 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 it's just... Clearly influenced it, though. Yeah. It that time. It yeah, it was the late 80s, yeah. Yeah. Oh, see, Ooh, now it is in color. Oh, it was, it was gray, I forgot. Wow, we were so wrong. We were wrong. It is a... <laughs> the yeah. video just went to color, and her jacket is black and white. Yes, it really went out. But BB has an orange swatch t-shirt. Yeah. Yeah, but it is that kind of like, it's like auditory volume. There is that particular sound that I called an art of noise sort of yeah. sound effect. That's I don't know what, I mean, it's clearly a synth sound, but yeah. I don't know what you call it. That sort of I don't airy, know. Yeah. it's airy and eerie, if you know mm-hmm. what I mean. But in this case, it's not. It, it it makes it soothing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I but find also it sort of, but it's still a little ooky to where you're like, ooh, it's kind of <laughs> mysterious. Well, the Lord is mysterious and ooky, yeah, Paul. That's true. There. That's why they call him the Holy Ghost. <laughs> ooky ghost. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Sorry I like for I, blaspheming on our podcast. Uh, I didn't even know they were from Detroit until I went looking up. I was like, oh my God, I got so excited because I was like, holy shit, yeah. BBCC Wine Ends reminds me of uh, 1989. All right. That was them. Uh, that's all your clips. Yeah. We have two more, both mine. I'm interested to hear what, not only what they are, but what year they come yeah, from. Yeah, we're not going to jump too far ahead right oh, now. Okay. This is, the clip we're going to watch is from, I think, 90. This mm-hmm. band existed from. 86 to 92. Mm-hmm. I, mean, I wrote it down. Yeah, 86 to 92. We're going to talk about the Gories. One of my, if there's no reason in the no world way. why you ever would have heard of it. There's an author named Gory. That oh, that, yeah, I know who you're talking yeah. about. That guy who does like goth. Yes. Drugs. Yes, no. that's not this. The Gories are a garage rock band from Detroit mm-hmm. who took their name from a fictional band that, fe- that figures into the plot of an episode of Gidget. Oh my god! And the the That's band so random. The band in the episode are like a proto goth band where they dress all in black and have like black wigs mm-hmm. and are like an Adams Family looking rock band that Gidget joins. What? Yeah, yeah. yeah. But but the 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 Detroit Gories are not goth at all. Okay, they just took their name from this fictional band. From Gidget, which if people don't know what Gidget is, it's a 60s sitcom starring teenage Sally. Yeah, very Fields. young Sally. Fields. Very cute Sally. Yes. Um, so that's where they got their name. Uh, very spare garage mm-hmm. rock. Three members, two guitars and drums. And uh, the drummer and the second guitar player were not musicians at all. and Did not know how to play their instruments when... The front man formed this band. Wow. Uh, so it's very punk rock in that way. Okay. But the, the leader of the band is a guy named Mick Collins who's big in Detroit music. He's in a thousand bands. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Dirt Bombs are probably his main bands. About as famous as the Gory. It's a good name. He's also in Blacktop, the King Sound Quartet, uh, who I think were a funk band. Uh, the Screws, which are a punk band. The Voltaire Brothers and Man Ray Man Ray. Those are some of his bands. This guy really knows how to be in bands with good names. Yeah, Mick Collins kicks ass. Jesus Christ. He kicks ass. I don't even care if I don't like the music, the names alone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they broke up in 92. They got back together like seven or eight years ago to do some shows. And like they've toured on and off ever since. 
we're going to watch a performance of one of their songs that's pulled from it's it's from a like a cable access show in Detroit mm-hmm. in the late 80s early 90s called Band In and it's a half hour episode of the show where they just did a whole bunch of songs mm-hmm. and the whole thing's on YouTube if anyone wants to find it we're going to watch them do their song Thunderbird ESQ <laughs> which if you don't know what that is it's a brand of bum wine like uh, uh oh thunderbird thunderbird yeah. yeah thunderbird ESQ is like the classy oh. Thunderbird or like Night Train is yeah. another bum wine. Yeah. And is it MD4040 or what's that? I've never heard that, but I know Thunderbird. And, yeah. And, uh, yeah. So this is a song about getting drunk on Thunderbird. Oh my God. And this is, I know we say this all the time, but this is one of my top five, possibly top three favorite rock and roll performances ever. I've watched this video really? dozens and dozens of times. And you're going to hate it. <laughs> That's Mick. Okay. Man of a thousand bands. I love the way the drummer is just chewing, chewing gum. gum. And yeah. There's This sort of reminds me of, you remember when we watched the Royal Teens do short shorts? Mm-hmm. And how I said they're punk rock for how they all just look like they don't even want to be there. Yes. The drummer's got the exact same yeah, vibe. She's like, whatever. Yeah, yeah. And it's the coolest thing in the world. Yeah, this isn't funny. <laughs> but she is great. She, she reminds that's the other band I when at the top of the show, I was like, who am I forgetting a big band we're not gonna talk about? It was the White Stripes. Oh, and she's yeah. like a proto Meg White. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, she might be even more like Meh. she can't really play. She just yeah. sort of sits there and hits the drums and isn't like yeah. technically proficient. But boy, is she rock and roll! Yeah, she's very. Her attitude is a hundred percent rock and roll. Yeah. And you're saying this is from like the late '80s, early '90s? This is from '90 because this song they're doing is is from an album that came out in '90. If you had said this was from. 1981. Yeah, I would have yeah. been like, oh, yeah, I believe you, Paul. It was cable said, access of the video. Yeah. The, the, the way they're dressed and it's real washed out. Yeah. And, yeah. Also, the, the guitar player is going to play one of my favorite guitar solos ever. Okay. The other one, not me. Yeah, I'm yeah. like, oh, there's the guy. There he is. Oh, my God. I love the glory so much. Now, when did you discover them? I don't remember. Maybe 10 years ago. Okay. I don't remember how, though. Yeah. The chorus is Thunderbird ESQ. I love it more than I love you. (laughs) Which is good. That's pretty good line. All right, here it comes. Oh, my God. Shreds, man. <laughs> I mean, that's one of those. I listen to this, I go, oh, I guess I could be a rock and roll star. Yeah. And yeah. your guitar doesn't have to be in tune. <laughs> yeah. Fuck it. Doesn't matter. Just whatever, man. Yeah. I just bang on the drums. And yeah. Chew that's why I say this is like the most rock and roll thing I've ever it seen. It really is. It's really yeah. punk without yeah. like being over the It's top. not punk music, but it's the like, we can't play. Our instruments are not even in tune. Yeah. We don't even want to be here, man. <laughs> yeah. And we're just singing a song about getting drunk on bum wine. There's like you've hit the pump the punk trifecta. Yeah, this is awesome. To yeah, me. <laughs> I, Mick, Mick can play. 
and, and by the way, there are other gory songs that aren't this technically bad. Yes. So it's like almost like they're doing it on Yes, absolutely. And they do fucking rock. Yeah. I, I appreciate, I do sincerely appreciate the aesthetic as opposed to the song. Yeah. And I'm like, oh yeah, this is real. Like, fuck you. Yeah, the plot of the song is like, I pick up my girl, we go get drunk on Bum Wine, and then she passes out. So I just leave her by the door at her apartment, go out and get some more Thunderbird. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah. yeah. Also, I don't think I've ever seen a picture of Mick Collins where he's not wearing shades. Oh, really? Yeah. He's a cool looking dude. He's so fucking cool. I mean, yeah, with the skinny tie. Yeah. And... Repeat the solo. I mean, that solo is everything. It's like she's doing a favor for the band. Yeah. She's like, a fine, I'll fucking, all right. God, if you shut up, I'll play something. Again. Yeah, that's my favorite thing, is rock bands who look like they don't even want to be doing it. <laughs> <laughs> and, like, that was very, that was the thing in the 90s of, like, uh, where, you know, yeah. like that angsty thing that's, like, not cool anymore with yeah. young people, but I'm still a sucker for it. If it's pulled off right, like they did. Yeah. Yeah. Cynicism in rock and roll is something I truly love. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's a that's a Paul thing. So that was, uh, you know, I'll give you a second to, because I know you're reeling from that shredding guitar <laughs> solo. That was a lot. I mean, him and Ted Nugent's not exactly <laughs> the same. But you know what? Like, I'd honestly rather listen to the Gories oh, hell for yeah. the rest of my life and listen to no other band rather than listen to... Ted Nugent. Ted Nugent. Yes. I mean, he's he's a good guitar player, but just no thanks. Yeah, that's a yeah, that's a no. So, how familiar are you with Death? By which I mean the band called Death. I think I know the name, but that is it, and I might know the name because of you. Yeah, I, I may have mentioned them before. I don't know on the show or just sometime when we talked about doing a Detroit episode. Mm-hmm. Let me give you the broad strokes of what death is Mm -hmm. there were three brothers from detroit named bobby david and dennis not dennis dennis hackney d-a-n-n-i-s yes okay formed the band in 1971 Mm -hmm. in their mom's house when they were like teenagers um they originally were like a funk band but then they saw the who and they were like we're gonna play rock and roll Mm -hmm. and they were just like their mom was like, you can play from three to six, and then you got to shut the fuck up. So, like, good every mom. day after school, they would practice. Good they mom. got really good. And in 1975, they almost got a record deal with Columbia Records. Mm-hmm. And they even started recording an LP, but they eventually turned down the deal. One of the brothers turned it down, who's sort of the leader, because the record label and other record labels insisted they change the name of the band. Oh. Because it was too, like, it's badass. Yeah. But at the time in the mid-70s, it was like, you couldn't market it, I guess, or it was too dark. And David refused to change the name. Mm -hmm. Not just out of stubbornness. I don't want to get into all of the, like, personal and spiritual reasons why he Mm -hmm. didn't want to change it, but it was a major part of what he was trying to do. So rather than change it, he turned down the record deal. Mm Mm-hmm. They did record one single, but they only pressed like 500 copies of it. And then in 77, they broke up, Mm -hmm. still in complete obscurity. Yeah. That's sort of the first part of the story. 
And were they called death or were they called a band called death? They're called death. Okay. A band called death is the documentary about them oh, from a few years ago. Okay. So here's what happens. I don't want to give away all the twists right. and turns and real life yeah. surprises and drama that happens. Um, but skip ahead 25 years. Someone discovers a copy of their single in a record shop somewhere. Mm-hmm. Blows them away. But because now there's the internet, they like put it on the internet and it starts to circulate. Mm-hmm. Just these two songs. They end the B-side of this one single. And then based off of that, um, word gets back to the band that people are like interested in who the hell they are. Mm-hmm. And they still have the master tapes from when they started to record that LP just that's been sitting in their attic for decades. Wow. So this documentary is about how people kind of rediscovered this band that mm-hmm. was never made it. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's, it's my favorite rock documentary. And I've seen hundreds, <laughs> right? Yeah. Just because of what it says about like the relationship between these brothers, some tragedy that happened to them, the weird coincidences of how people discovered them. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to give it away because I really want people to watch this documentary. Mm-hmm. But uh, I'm going to show a couple of clips from mm-hmm. it, a couple of quick ones. One is like the intro to the documentary where a lot of famous musicians are talking about the band and how they experienced like hearing them for the first time as they kind of became a cult thing. Mm-hmm. And before the documentary was made, there was an article about them in the New York Times that sort of launched the documentary and got, like, exposed them to a lot more people. Uh-huh. So we'll watch this quip, this clip from the doc to get a sense of what we're talking about. I'm, I'm trying to guess who the famous people are. Like. I mean, And the big thing about them was... Again, like the MC5, like the Stooges mm. that were happening at the same time, they were punk before punk rock was a thing. Yeah, before the label. And, and then the added level, though, is that they're black. And in Detroit specifically, there was Motown was a big thing yeah. and garage rock was a big thing, but there wasn't crossover. So yeah. part of the reason why they had trouble getting noticed playing in Detroit was because as, as black kids, like, Black audiences didn't want them to play rock. Yeah, they probably want to play funk and R&B. And white audiences yeah. didn't want to watch black guys play rock. Yeah. Um, so a big part of the documentary is that, too. How, mm. how they had, you know, feet in both worlds. Yeah. Yeah, I assume that you're not going to be into this music. No, but I can already tell that they're You fucking, would love the documentary. They're real fucking musicians. Yeah. version of the death story is almost like Henry the yep. at the yep. beginning of a movie trailer. Three black guys Henry in Ross. the 70s from Detroit, Michigan. Blood Brothers. Three black cats from Detroit. Kid Rock. Kid Rock. Oh, yeah. Park. Park guy. Also uh, from rock Michigan. Rock and roll. It's pretty hard to be black and black <laughs> rock in Detroit because there were sort of stereotypes that you had to be Motown if you were black. I would totally fucking see this music documentary. music was definitely... Christ Love just solidified what we know as the punk movement. Nobody was making music. Mick Collins from the Gories. Oh, no shit. With glasses on. Yep. 
like that in 73. They have to be properly credited as being uh, visionaries. You have a record that is so perfect in its innovation, it makes it all the more shocking that it didn't manage to find a way what? to What? That is, um, I'm blanking Elijah on Wood. Elijah Wood, who... I know it seems where these he's a huge music nerd. Yeah, but I didn't think he would be. I don't know it's so funny. I didn't think he'd be for this. Yeah, he's not a musician at all, but he's a guy like us. Like mm-hmm. he's anytime I've like read an interview with him, he always ends up talking about like what bands he's into at the time. Oh, cool. He's a real. He knows his onions. Yeah, he knows his onions. The kind of like the unknown soldiers of rock. The, that's the Reed yeah, from, from Living Color. Color. The recordings that they were simply put away. There's been hardcore history sitting up in that attic, and no one's known about it. That's years after the fact, we're just now discovering this band that had been sort of lying in wait. <laughs> it's such a great story. It's 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 uh it's punk rock. I mean, yeah, it's so fast. Yeah. But they're also technically proficient. That's the thing, too. You can tell they are real musicians. They're not just, like, banging on shit. Yeah. And it's a great name for a documentary. A Band Called Death is yeah. the name of the documentary. I really want you to watch it. I want everybody to watch no, it. That looks really cool. Even if it's not your kind of music, the story... Is, I, I mean, I don't want to give away what happens to the Yeah, brothers. I don't want to ask, too, yeah. Yeah, uh... There's so many twists. It's just a great story. Like it's, re- I got emotional watching it. <laughs> but I want to watch one more clip. That's yeah. a deleted scene from the doc, which is just to bookend this. Wayne Kramer talking about. It. Oh, look at that! And and he does talk a bit about their proficiency as musicians too. So this isn't actually in the doc. It's a little bit of a bonus. My wife is my manager, and, and she's in touch with her peers in the management world. And we have a good friend who's very plugged in guy. And he called us up and he said, I don't trust this. Somebody made this up. It's too perfect. You know, (laughs) that there could be such a band. And and then when he heard the music, he said, this is incredible. The music's phenomenal. You know, how could this be? We know everything that's going on in music. We're we're plugged in, we're in touch. I mean, it's valid. It sounds like it could be just, just a fucking story. It used to be like yeah. a, a movie. And it makes me, it's so bittersweet because you know, even though this story seems so phenomenal, mm-hmm. that there's dozens of bands out there like oh, yeah. that who oh, never yeah. made it, who still maybe have the tapes from a recording yeah. they did 40 years ago. Yeah. And most of them, this is never going to happen to yeah. them. And also, you know, maybe because they suck, but also... Maybe because of some bullshit like this. If like, well, you got to change your name and you're like. Yeah. For, yeah. for good reasons and bad yeah. reasons, talented artists sometimes just never make it. Yeah. No one ever gets to see their stuff. Yeah. And it's not a meritocracy. Yeah. But it also makes like makes you hopeful for the fact that like there's a, there's always a chance somehow. Something maybe could break. years later. Yeah. Maybe after you're dead. But you never know when and how someone's going to see the thing you made, yeah, and and appreciate it. Just so fascinating. Just some guy finds some fucking thing in a record store and goes, yeah, and, oh, and okay. like a guy who like had a music blog and just yeah. post just up like, you know, 
recorded it to an MP3 and uploaded it. It was like, check out this single life. Yeah. This is amazing. Not like I'm going to make this my life's work to make this great uh, declaration about this band called. That's just, yeah, yeah, this is cool. Listen to it. And it's also the great thing about the internet because yeah. there are a few other stories like this from the past few years that I know of where someone just finds some obscure ass record sitting in a bin in a record shop somewhere mm-hmm. and plays it. And, and, and it's like mind blowing. And they're like, but who is this person? Yeah. Right? And then, they find them and like, you know, some label re-releases the record yeah. or whatever. And so it does happen occasionally. It's fascinating. Which makes you know, it's like, you know, people say, if you see a cockroach in your house, that means there's hundreds more cockroaches yes. you don't see. Yep. It's the same sort of thing, but in a good way. Yeah. Like, <laughs> every once in a way. while, one of these things bubbles up and you're like, what else is out yeah. there waiting That's to be discovered? completely unknown. Yeah. When I listened to the music, it all made perfect sense to me. It didn't come as a shock to me because um, these guys were clearly influenced by this concept of high energy. I mean, they yeah. were, and the thing is, they could really play. They had chops. They, they were formidable musicians. So you think they were probably listening to MC5? I mean, if it's a Detroit, were they around? Because MC5 might have been a little early. A little earlier? I don't know. What I know from the documentary is, like I said, they were a funk band. Mm-hmm. They literally, they went to see The Who in concert, and David was like, we're a rock band now. Wow, that's amazing. So I don't know if they were even aware of the MC5, but I think probably Detroit was some like segregated a little bit, yeah. and it was literally like, they don't even know what's going on across the river yeah. with like the Stooges and the MC5. I don't think they knew about... I think they really were just organically... I think it's just something's in the water in Detroit. Yeah, right? yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. Because um, I don't, if I remember correctly, it's been a little while since I saw the doc. I don't think they knew about or were directly influenced by those bands oh, so okay. much as they were influenced by the same bands that influenced those bands. Yeah. They practiced their instruments and they were into really playing their instruments, which to me sets them apart from the rest of the punk rock movement because the idea was. You don't really have to know how to play. It's all spirit and you just get with your friends and you make up your songs and it's not about playing. Which rules, but musicianship is good too. And they had both. They had the energy and the musicianship. Which is a different, there's there's a line there because I come from the school that says it matters if you know how to play. And clearly, Death knew how to play. They were players and they were playing high energy uh, defiant, rebellious music, and they were from Detroit. Mm-hmm. So I know the influences that they had because it's the same influences I had. So I know that what that's what was important to them. It was important to be able to play. You know, that's how you. That was your mark. You know, that's where the bar was set. You know, can you play? And they could. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I don't. I love how Wayne Kramer is just like a dad now. Yeah, he's <laughs> just a dad. Dad is into music. Yeah, just loves it. He's like one of the biggest badasses yeah. ever. Doubt that kind of music they played and, and who they were conflicted with their media culture, you know, the rhythm and blues music, um, Motown, soul music. Um, the music they were playing was for, for a different different audience. Mm-hmm. Um, had Death got through to the Grandy Ballroom, they would have been embraced. They absolutely would have ruled because we would have all been in the front row screaming for them. That's what we're all looking for. Some people that are badass. That I can guess really it's the play. Granny Ballroom it's is one of those things. big. Yeah, I don't know because I yeah. don't know Detroit, but yeah. I think the point is just like 
that's where the white kids played rock and roll. If they had gone there and yeah, the Hackney brothers probably didn't even really know about it. Yeah. Didn't try to play it. Didn't even think of it. Never was on their radar. Right. Right. Yeah. And and honestly, probably if they had tried to, the owners might not have let them. Yeah, like, no, we can't let you in. Yeah, right. I don't know what the politics and and culture yeah. of Detroit at the time was in, in those terms. Yeah. but it seems like there would have been barriers. He's saying like there would have been barriers to them playing that venue if they wanted to, but yeah. if somehow they were allowed to, they were crushed. The rock fans would have yeah. been into it. Is of history that, that damn you know. <laughs> Too bad, because they would have killed. They would have killed, and everybody would have loved them. It's also fascinating, like, another Sliding Doors episode of if if they were, like, they didn't go to the Who concert. Or if they're just like, yeah, yeah we're going to play funk, and maybe they're, like, a mid-level funk band. Maybe they're a huge funk band. Yeah. But they went to this one concert, and they all went, yeah, no, this is what we do now. This yeah. is us. You know, the fact that... It, just that one moment changed the course of their lives. That's really fucking fascinating. I will. I don't want to give away too many details, but I'll say part of the story is after death, the brothers moved to a different part of the country, one mm-hmm. that you wouldn't expect, and for years played a whole other genre of music, one that you wouldn't expect. Now I gotta fucking go until someone. Just rediscovered death, and then and then they were kind of like, oh yeah, death. <laughs> like, like we forgot about that. Oh shit. yeah, we did that a while ago. Like even they forgot that. Wow, um, I'm gonna go see this dude. Get this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a great if you love music at all. It's yeah. such a great story. Yeah, that sounds really fucking cool. So I wanted to end on that for Detroit. I'm gonna close out the show with a death song. Sure, our usual clothing, closing theme music. Do it. Because, I mean, this doc came out in, I think, 2013. It's mm-hmm. a few years old. It, it was I remember when it came out, hearing about it. It's not new now, but I still want to spread the word. Yeah. I, I, spread it. It's my favorite. I will say this. I think it's my favorite documentary. Oh, wow. I don't think there's another. I don't watch like a million docs yeah. the way some people do, but this is my favorite documentary. Strong words. Yeah. Um, but that's all for this episode of Music Ray Gun. Yeah. Uh, our logo is by Kyla Pellucci. Bagweed did our theme music. If you like what you heard, please write a review and rate the show five stars on Apple Podcasts. Also, tell your friends about us. Word of mouth is the best way to share the show. And you can email us comments and questions to musicraygun at gmail.com. I'm Paul Champanelli. I'm Kirk Pinchon. Till next time. See ya!